Welcome to the Warrior's Cry. This is a podcast for the church, by the church. So today is the second episode that we've ever done, and I'm really, really excited at that very fact. And so today we actually have a uh, pastor who has been part of uh, something outside of uh, the church in general for many, many years. Um, When I knew him, he was the pastor of a small uh, gathering that he called Church Without Walls, which I thought was an interesting concept. They met at his house or at the house of other people um, in the uh, the meeting, the group that they were part of. And, and I'm really, really thrilled about having him here. And we're going to talk about several different questions. And we're going to also uh, just kind of get down to the nitty gritty because this podcast is really, it's really about opening a dialogue between the churches. It's not about theology, so to speak, because we can get on theological debates all day long and disagree and argue over honestly, the silliest of things. Um, And quite frankly, you know, when it comes down to what we are in the body of Christ, you know, I remember in scripture, you know, it it talks about how we're different members and we're different parts of the body of Christ and that not all are the same. You know, for certain, the eye cannot be the hand and the hand cannot be the ear. We all have different functions within the body of Christ. And, you know, that's the interesting thing about this whole debate is really, What should unity look like in the body of Christ? again, thank you for tuning in and listening to The Warrior's Cry and subscribing. I would love for you guys to share this podcast with your friends, your family, anyone that you might know that would uh, enjoy a discourse about unity in the church, unity in the body of Christ. Um, And I would love to hear any um, possible uh, interview requests or questions maybe you'd like to hear on the actual podcast. So uh, please, if you have any questions or anyone that might be interested in interviewing, just email me directly at thewarriorscry at gmail.com. Once again, that email address is thewarriorscry at gmail.com. And as always, you can go to thewarriorscry.com to find out about the interviewees. It'll actually be on the program as well as any blog posts or any stories that I actually write on there. Hello, this is James Edwards for the Warriors Cry podcast. I have Pastor Steve McCraney um, on Skype for an interview today. And uh, Pastor Steve, I really appreciate you taking your time out of your busy schedule to to sit on this uh, call with me. 
and I uh, really appreciate that. And uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about um, you and your ministry to start. Well, I appreciate, uh, appreciate this opportunity. Uh, we live in Gastonia, North Carolina, and I pastor a church called The Church Without Walls that we began in 2000, kind of as a place for people to go uh, who, have a, who love the Lord but have had a really rough experience with church. Uh, we're a, kind of a cell-based church, a family-integrated church, non-denominational, and um, I really enjoy it. We're having a great time. Awesome. Well, um, <clears throat> first off, you know, when I got to know you, you were actually doing the Church Without Walls, and you still are doing the Church Without Walls. Uh, so overall, how is your ministry going, and, and how is your church? Actually, it's going great. Uh, this is the closest to kind of a family church I've ever been part of. In other words, rather than having a distinction between laity and clergy, pretty much these guys are my, uh, my friends. We hang around together. We take vacations together. Our kids play with each other. Matter of fact, some of, um, some of our members have even married each other. So it's a pretty exciting time right now. Well, that's awesome. I really wanted to start with the foundational scripture um, behind the Warriors Crime Ministry. And um, that foundational verse is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, um, verses uh, 10 through 13. And that basically says, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, uh, but that you be made complete in the same mind and the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So what does that verse mean to you, Pastor McCraney? Well, to be honest with you, that's kind of the crux of the whole problem we have with the church today. Um, you know, pretty much most churches today are, um, are personality-driven. And you've got a split division here. I'm of Stephen Furtick, or I'm of Perry Noble, or I'm of Joel Osteen, or I'm of T.D. Jakes, or I'm of, you know, whatever you want to work at. And then uh, we, we, we kind of view things a little bit differently. As a matter of fact, we, uh, we try to de- downplay the individual and increase the devotion and time given to uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, a small example, if you go into a church today, and pretty much during the praise and worship time, most likely on the big screens, you have close-up shots of the lead singer. Why? You know, the, the, the focus should not be on the band. The focus should be on the Lord. And so, um, you know, the verses that you basically read there from Paul's letter to 1 Corinthians are kind of what I see happening in the church at large today. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I've actually been part of uh, a few big churches, and, and I go to a church uh, called New Covenant Church in Clyde. We're actually one of the bigger churches in the area, the community that I live in. And uh, actually, having been part of the praise and worship team for many years, I, I do understand um, that kind of mentality. Um, unfortunately, it is a cult of personality in a lot of these bigger churches, and uh, I do know exactly what you're talking about. Um, so <clears throat> I was doing a little bit of studying this morning, and I happened to come across uh, John chapter 17, um, verse 23, 
And um, the interesting thing in that was, this was Jesus actually speaking, and he said, I and them and thou and me, that they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know that thou didst send me and didst love them, even as thou didst love me. So, in regards to that scripture, do you think the church as a whole is healthy? No, not at all. But then again, it all depends on what you define as church. You know, the true church, the nugget, the... Um, the called out ones, the ones that are the New Testament model of the church, I think that's it's a pretty healthy church. But the machine, the the kind of entrepreneurial thing that we've created today, I don't think it's it's healthy at all. Because again, it's it's focused more like a business rather than a living, thriving entity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, you know, I used to I worked for a radio station for many years, and I used to do uh, the concerts and big events and, and stuff of that nature. And when I would do that, we kind of viewed it like a lot of people view church today. In other words, I have got to bring a show in, and I've got to sell tickets, and I've got to put butts in the seats, and I have to give people what they want, and at the end of the day, I have to make a profit. And so, unfortunately, with the Americanized, well-oiled machine, we kind of walk into that kind of situation where I've got to now give the people what they want or they won't come. I have a massive budget. You know, I'm... Their tithing or their giving is kind of like the tickets they're paying. And so it begins to devalue and decrease the message to the lowest common denominator to bring people in, feeding the machine, rather than driving deep in some of the issues that make a church healthy, such as the sovereignty of God, such as the, the devalue of self, the sacrificing to the point of others, the, the, the deep study of God's Word, even in areas that you know, we may find uncomfortable. And so that's a long answer to your question. The cultural church, very unhealthy. The true church, I think, is, is doing quite well. And I do think there's a distinction there. Well, what do you think that distinction is? I, primarily the power of the Holy Spirit moving in a congregation. You know, when, when God doesn't show up, we sometimes try to manufacture it ourselves. And so therefore we change our music style in order to give somebody an experience. Or the pastor becomes more of a communicator rather than a biblical teacher because we're captivated by the message. And then we set this bar of an experience or a feeling that we disguise as the Holy Spirit. And then next week we have to top it. And the week after that we have to top it. And then you end up with just some crazy stuff that you see going on out there where pastors hang glide into their congregations because it wows the congregation, you know, the, the people are, they bring circus animals out on the stage because, boy, we've never seen that before. And I think the the essence of that, the reason that happens, is because we spend a whole lot of time trying to please people rather than trying to find out exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. Well, I think, honestly, that is all a symptom of the fact that, uh, you know, I think that's a symptom of the division, really. Because when you have the church divided, then basically you have each individual church trying to appeal to a particular market, um, so to speak, like you were talking about. They become people pleasers. They're trying to find ways to get people into their seats. So they're trying to do something that's a little bit more daring, a little bit more exciting, or whatever, to get people to come in. Um, would you say that's what it is? Part of it. But see, what happened, in my opinion, what happened about 20 or 30 years ago, you know, Rick Warren and Saddleback kind of began doing church differently. 
And what he did is he went out of the community and he basically asked people this, if we were going to build a church that you would come to, what would you want to see? And so he would, he got feedback from everybody in his general area. You know, we want a really good nursery. We want uh, a real upbeat worship service. We want messages that affirm us. You know, we want to be in and out in an hour. We want, you know, all the kind of things that make us feel pretty good. And so he created a church and people came and it became a cultural phenomenon. The whole seeker movement was born out of that. The church is designed not only for the sold-out believers in Christ, but also for people who are just contemplating the message of Jesus. So we bring those in and somehow try to try to move them from doubt to faith during our worship service. But the reality is church is never designed for lost people. Church is designed for the saved. A, a lost person can't worship. The most they can do is watch save people worship. The messages are designed to, to equip the saints and build the saints so that they can go out into the world and lead people to Christ and bring them back into a nurturing fellowship of a church to help them grow in their faith. And when we reverse that and turn that upside down, the whole message gets diluted and the focus becomes not on the depth and spiritual maturity of the saints, but on the I don't know, attraction just to get marginal people in the door. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Totally. Um, you know, I, I've, I've noticed that. Um, like I said, I think um, what you're saying, it, it's it's all part of a symptom of the marketing ideology of trying to get people into the church. And, you know, um, and quite frankly, there are a lot of churches that seem more concerned with you inviting your friends and, and people that are lost to church than they are really about equipping the saints. And I think that's what we as the body of Christ should be doing. We should be equipping each other. So that brings me to the next thing. What do you think God is saying to the church today? Well, again, um, to the true church, I think he's basically saying you need to stay the course. We need to be focused on what God has called us to do because it's not going to become popular in the future. I mean, the Supreme Court just ruled that the homosexuality now has civil rights attached to it. So if pastors preach the whole counsel of God, pretty soon they're going to be charged with a hate crime. So what do we do? Do we conform our message or do we preach the entire counsel of God? The, the, the controversial things in our culture today um, are, are shied away from, from the pulpit. And I think what the Lord's telling the church today is it's the same message yesterday, today, and forever. The same message delivered once and all to the saints, as it talks about in Jude. And we're to focus on being light and darkness and salt in a dying world. And that's hard to do if we get our praise and adulation from the world. And so I think that's what he's saying. Friendship with the world is hatred towards God. And if you want to make yourself a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. That's a frightening thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And don't get me wrong. There's a tremendous amount of pressure on these pastors that have built these large churches with multi-campuses and, you know, and all that kind of stuff to maintain that structure, to maintain that, that organization, that complex. And um, sometimes when you preach the whole counsel of God, people won't come. And it, you know, it, it, puts, it puts a man in a conundrum. And so I think what the church is saying, especially to the pastors, is to get back to the first things first was the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and leading people into a deeper relationship with him. And you can't lead anybody where you haven't been. Right. Well, that that is 
totally based, you know, on, you know, the, the, the unfathomable love of God. And, and, you know, and that was something that, you know, and, and you probably heard in the first episode, the first podcast that I actually talked about kind of, um, uh, the instance where God was really talking to me about, you know, his, uh, unwarranted love. And, and I started writing a pod or like a, um, uh, a blog one day. And all of a sudden, a few minutes later, the Jehovah's Witnesses come to, do- to my door and they knock on my door. And I felt like that was a chance for me to do exactly what I felt like God was telling me. And that was to show love because we are love. We are light in this world. Um, and, and I think that's where we're missing the boat in terms of the church because we're not teaching that love to go out and and reach the lost. We're we're more teaching a lazy gospel trying to get people into the church so that we don't have to do it. Right. You know, um and and I, I that's where I struggle with it because I've always struggled with these larger churches. I've always struggled with these bigger churches. But I also don't want to discount their message because I know that they're bringing people to Christ. But I don't know if necessarily it's what, I don't know if that's what God really wants. It's these huge churches. I think it's it's kind of a difficult thing for me to even put into words. I mean, what do you think about all that? Well, I, there's nothing wrong with being inherently big. You know, if God raises up a, a, a church and it's a huge church, praise the Lord for that. Book of Acts, 3,000 people saved the first sermon. You know what I mean? That, that can happen. But the problem is if we, if we equate the American dream with this entrepreneurial spirit in church, then we only define our success by how big we are. How many campuses do I have? But I can't have other pastors preach at those campuses because nobody's better than me. So I have therefore got to project myself on a video screen to all these other campuses so they can see me live because I'm the only one that holds the the keys to the kingdom kind of thing. You know what I mean? And so what happened, what happened is, you know, I, I was very interested years ago in all this church growth movement and all the stuff that they were talking about, about how to bring in a crowd and canvassing your area and find out what they need and all that kind of stuff. And, and then I got thinking about Jesus's ministry. I mean, he did exactly the opposite. What Jesus did is he spent three and a half years, his only time in practical ministry on earth, devoting himself solely to 12 men. And every time the crowds came, he pushed them away. You know, he he withdrew from them. They wanted to make him king. No, we don't want to do this. Hey, Mark chapter 1. Hey, all the people want us to stay. Let's just stay here. This is a really good place. No, I have to go to the other villages. That's why I was called. And, and even when somebody of wealth comes to him, which would really bless his ministry, this rich young ruler, Jesus raises the bar or really shows him how hard, high the bar really is and pulls him away and chases him away. And so based on modern church church growth theology, Jesus was a failure as a pastor. He was a failure as a church planner because after 12 years, he had hardly just little small fickle congregation. And so if that's what Jesus did and turned the entire world upside down, why are we doing the opposite? Why are we bringing the people in and assuming that masses mean spirituality when sometimes it's exactly the opposite. Right, right. So what are some things, in your opinion, that bring unity between all of these various denominations in the body of Christ? Well, I think we need to quit competing with each other. 
Um, if you have a mentality where every person that comes to my church and tithe is a ticket I've sold to my show, and I don't want you to spend your ticket on some other show, then, um, then, then things begin to change. Joint ministries and partnering with other churches and, and stuff of that nature really helps, but it's just it's very hard to do. Pastors, by and large, are really suspect of each other. Um, congregations can fellowship more than pastors do. And I don't know why that is, but there's always some sort of fear or intimidation or one-upmanship that comes when pastors get together. I, uh, I used to go to a lot of pastor fellowships, and I quit going after a while because it was just, uh, you know, how, how's your church doing? Well, mine's doing better, and, you know, this kind of stuff. And, and I don't know why that is. We should not be independent contractors. We should be all members of the same team with the Lord Jesus Christ as the coach, you know, playing the same game, just in different locations. But um, my experience has been, it's just, it's just not that way, and I don't think it's getting better. Right, right. Well, and, and that's heartbreaking to me because, you know, you know, in this area, and this is one thing that I absolutely love, is that, you know, the various denominations have actually come together in, you know, Haywood County, and it's, um, I, I think they call it the Haywood Coalition, but you've got all of these different churches, different denominations, Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostals, uh, non-denominational. My church happens to be a non-denominational. And they're coming together and they're doing community service projects and they're doing all this kind of stuff. And even though they don't necessarily agree completely theologically, um, they go out in the community and they serve as one unit versus going out and serving as a member of this church or a member of that church and trying to draw attention to that one church. And as a result, um, Pastor Nick, you know, in the first podcast, he actually talked a little bit about the Pathways Center, and hopefully in the future I'll be able to get uh, uh, the, the, the actual uh, chairman of the Pathways Center on the program. Um, but the Pathways Center in this area, because the churches have worked together, um, there was an article that just came out that said that our prison is actually underpopulated now. There's an entire annex that is completely empty now because the Pathways Center is actually training these people up, raising them up in, in Christ and actually bringing them to uh, salvation. And as such, um, they're going out and they're getting jobs and they're they're doing less crime, and as a result, the prisons are actually, you know, thinning out, which I think is definitely uh, something that is uh, worthy of praise of God, you know, because we couldn't do that alone. I think, uh, I think that's probably what God really wanted to do. So, you know, I, I say that because, you know, in the in the Gastonia area, because I was uh, big in that area, you know, my my pastor in Gastonia. Um, Pastor John Pelinero of New Covenant in Gastonia, um, I had told him numerous times that I wanted, you know, New Covenant to actually partner with other churches in the area. And he tried, but the other churches really didn't want any part of it. Um, they wanted to keep to themselves and as a result, keep the division alive in that area. Um, how do you think, you know, in the community of Gastonia specifically, because that's where you serve at, um, how do you think you can help bring the body of Christ together in that area? Well, what happens is churches don't mind coming together for social projects. In other words, a lot of churches will join together for the Crisis Pregnancy Center or going down and feeding the hungry or doing something of that nature. I remember back in the 70s and 80s, we used to have life change and 
you know, Sanctity of Life Sundays. Do you remember those days where churches would line up on the street corners with, you know, various churches holding signs, talking, oh, yeah. you know, and they would all join together on some sort of social issue, but they would never join together on the gospel. And, you know, churches can, can get together all they want and, and feed the hungry or, you know, raise money for some sort of cause or, or something of that nature. But the nugget of what the church should be about is coming together in the gospel. Yes, we disagree on some theological issues. Some people pray one way and some people pray another. But we should all agree on the gospel message. And what I would love to see is, a, you know, a, a group of churches, maybe that has happened. Um, I just haven't been part of it or heard about it. A group of churches would come and bring in an evangelist and we would all gather around or, or something of that nature and support that situation and proclaim the gospel in our community. But unfortunately... Um, I don't think that happens that much. Yeah, it's an unfortunate thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's definitely a struggle because I would love to see the body of Christ actually come together. And, you know, I was talking uh, essentially, you know, this morning um, uh, with a friend of mine, and we were talking about how, you know, the eye constantly wants to try to be the hand, and the hand constantly wants to be the ear in the body of Christ. And I know that we are not all the same in right. terms of what God wants us to do. You know, the Baptists have a great mission in the fact that they are great at reaching out and winning the lost. They are, they're wonderful at that. There are other denominations that are great at discipleship. There are other denominations that are great at prayer and intercessory. You know, there are other that are, that are really good in, in things like the Holy Spirit. And I happen to be a spirit-filled you know, Christian, I, I believe in speaking in tongues and prophecy, and I, I believe in all of that. However, I don't believe that that's a requirement for salvation. You know, I, I don't believe that even baptism is really a requirement of salvation. It's important. You know, all of this is important. But overall, you know, I think when we actually take our theology and make it so important as to dilute the gospel of Christ, we present a disservice to ourselves as the body of Christ. What do you think about that? Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. You know, when we're, when we're looking at the church, you've got the local church and you've got the universal church. And the passage you're talking about, about uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, talking about the eye, wanting to be the ear, and you, because you're not this, you're not part of the body. What works in a local church and what is dysfunctional in a local church also is the same way in the church universal. In other words, if if I've got a congregation of 300 people, but only 20 of those people or 30 of those people are actually exercising their spiritual gifts, then I have a handicapped body of Christ. And it's the same way when, when you know, the, um, the independent Baptists are really sold out on soul winning, and maybe some, uh, another church may, may really focus on a deep teaching of the Scripture, and another church may be really worship-oriented, and another church may be more service-oriented. And if they don't combine together, then the, then the universal body of Christ, the local Gastonian body of Christ, is also handicapped. And so we're all trying to do our little thing by our little bent handicap, kind of limping along. And, uh, and it's sad, but I'm not really sure how to change it. You know what I mean? Right, and I totally get what you're saying. And, you know, that's the primary mission of the Warrior's Cry is so that we open a dialogue between the various churches so that we can stand united and just simply stop 
dividing ourselves. You know, uh, I, I mentioned it in the first podcast, and I'll, I'll mention it again. You know, uh, back in early uh, 2000s, we started a coffee house over at New Covenant in, uh, in Gastonia, and um, we invited all of the youth groups from various areas. We had, um, you know, a lot of really awesome bands, a lot of Christian bands that were coming in, uh, a lot of them just starting. Like we had Building 429, and we had Disciple, and we had a bunch of these really nice, really cool Christian bands coming in. And, you know, the kids wanted to come and see it, but the pastors at these various churches didn't want to do it uh, because it was at the New Covenant campus and they were afraid that we were going to steal their kids and they were afraid that we were going to take over their youth group and, and um, steal them away from that church. And, you know, and, and I learned a valuable lesson that it should have been on neutral ground. But at the time I was young and, and I didn't know any better. And I was really tr- trying to give the kids in churches a place to go instead of going out to the mall and getting drunk and smoking and you know and doing all of this kind of stuff because I was there when I was a much younger kid you know I did a lot of stupid stuff and I really wanted to give these kids an opportunity to get out and and work together and and be part of a a unit and you know and and it was discouraging to me because when these pastors were calling me up and they were telling me that the mission that we had was wrong because we wanted to have their kids come to our church. It, it really broke my heart. And, and I think that's where the lifeblood behind the Warriors Cry came from because when that originally happened, I was like, you know, how are we looking to the lost in the world? If we can't stand united as a body, how do we look to the world out there whenever we try to tell them that they're living a wrong life, but yet we can't come together on the simplest of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, a neutral ground would have worked really well. And the fact is, there's still a great need for what you just described. You know, you have these these churches that put on these non-church attached ministries like the 180 Weekend and stuff of that nature, which does bring in youth from other churches because pastors feel more safe because, hey, we're going to go to Parkwood, you know, Baptist Church for the 180 weekend, and I've got kids from First Assembly, but I'm going to go ahead and send them because I know the curriculum is just going to be the 180 weekend. And unfortunately, with a lot of pastors, it's just fear. You know, it's just, it's fear. And, and there, there, there needs to be dialogue. There needs to be community. There, what you're doing with the Warriors Cry is a good thing. Because pastors need to talk to each other, realize that we're, you know, we're all working for the same guy. You know, we're all take we're all supposed to be taking our orders from the same commander in chief. And so, if we do that, somebody may do it differently than I do, but who cares? As long as the job gets done. Right. Well, and and I really really appreciate you saying that. I, I I'm I'm humbled by your your words about encouragement uh, for the warriors cry. Um, I've been working on this this ministry for many years, and I'm just now realizing that I think this is really the direction that God wanted all along. But early in the 2000s, when I first was called to this, I mean, podcasting was really non-existent at that point, and I had no idea how to start it. Um, and I've been studying it for many years, uh, and then decided to finally do it. So I really do appreciate your words of encouragement on that. Um, so the last question I'm going to ask you is, um, you know, you mentioned earlier that you used to fellowship with other pastors um, in in the community, uh, but you stopped doing that. Um, 
what would be one thing or what would be something that you think that um, we could do as a body to get that those meetings back together, you know, as far as getting those pastors together to uh, meet and uh, try to, to, to open that dialogue between the churches? Well, let me let me let me rephrase that. Uh, I still fellowship with pastors. I just don't do it in a formal setting anymore. Okay. Uh, and what needs to be done, unfortunately, is there is a pecking order in every denomination. The pastors of the largest churches in each denomination must make a commitment that they're going to get together and begin fellowshipping first. You know, from the Baptists, for example, in Gastonia. You know, if Jeff Long at Parkwood and Dickie Spargo at uh, Bethlehem decided they were going to get together with Lorraine uh, Livingston at uh, uh, the uh, Union Road Church of God and, and uh, a couple other pastors of the rather large churches, and they got together on an informal setting and said, here's what we would like to do. And if they could have fellowship and dialogue and build a bond there, then it would expand because all these other guys in the smaller churches would join on. If it starts with the smaller churches having fellowship, the large guys, the bigger guys, they don't have time for that. But it's something if they begin the process, if God has blessed them with a large congregation, let them lead in that area. And if those large congregation pastors can get together and form that kind of unity, man, I, I think you'll find tons, dozens of, uh, of other pastors would like to join also. Well, and that's kind of my hope because, you know, I've actually uh, sent out feelers to several larger churches to try to get their pastors on the Warriors Cry as well, you know. Um, hopefully uh, Elevation Church and, and a few of these other big, big churches, because I do believe that they play a huge role in this. Um, and and if, if somehow we can get them on board with opening up a dialogue with the smaller churches and the other churches in the area, I think not only could we be more powerful as, as a body, as a local body, but as a universal body as well, so I definitely think that is important to get those 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 big churches on board with the unity message, you know, um, uh, which is where you know my hope is is that I'm able to facilitate that uh, or to be part of the facilitation of that. So um, don't get don't don't get me wrong on that. I think to make it like citywide, it has to start with the larger churches, but smaller churches can get together locally. Right. You know, on the say, you know, three you have three churches on the three corners of a four corner intersection. You know, they can get together and minister in that that small area together, but it's not going to expand. Right. To expand, I think it really needs to be again with the big churches. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, you know, we're going to wrap up our our interview. So, I'm going to give you a few minutes to kind of plug what it is that you uh, want to plug, um, so that our listeners can uh, follow you in in terms of. Uh, uh, the different things you've got going on. So what do you have going on? Uh, well, church-wise, um, as I said, the church is called the Church Without Walls, uh, and we're, uh, we're just a, a family of believers who are trying to grow deep into the Lord and to learn to love each other, and uh, God is really blessing us. I do have a, a blog called leavinglaodicea.com. Uh, if people would like to log on to that, it's got some sermons and podcasts and stuff of that nature. But, uh, but other than that, I would just encourage people to, uh, to be faithful where they're at in their church, talk to their pastor and ask their pastor how they can help them, how they can serve, what can they do to, uh, to help him in his ministry and um, see what the Lord does. Well, I really appreciate you being on the program today and uh, uh, hopefully in the future as this develops, we'll have you back on again and 
kind of reassess everything that we talked about as well as, uh, you know, future guests that I'll have on the program as well. But I definitely appreciate you coming on and I just want to say, you know, God bless the Church Without Walls and God bless you, Pastor McCraney. Thanks a lot. I appreciate being on. All right. Well, thank you. That was a great interview with Pastor Steve McCraney, and I'm so excited that he actually was able to join us. Um, Once again, I'm so thrilled and so glad that you've decided to subscribe to The Warrior's Cry and that you've decided to listen in. Uh, I know that this is a lofty message, a lofty goal, um, but I know that unity in the body of Christ is something we can achieve. I do covet your prayers, and I ask you guys that you continue to keep me uh, in your prayers, as well as the Warriors Cry and any leader uh, that may be on the program in the future. Um, Once again, you can send your questions to thewarriorscry at gmail.com. That email address, again, is thewarriorscry at gmail.com. Or you can visit us on the web at thewarriorscry.com. That's thewarriorscry.com. And this podcast would not be complete without saying that it was brought to you by 434 Graphics. For all your printing and marketing needs, contact 434graphics at gmail.com. That email address again is 434graphics at gmail.com. We specialize in business cards, postcards, brochures, and any design needs you may have for your business or your church. So thank you again, and uh, join us next month when we interview another leader. And I really appreciate you guys. Thank you and God bless.